Hello, this is Jake Leahy reading the Supreme Court decision syllabus in Health and Hospital Corporation of Marion County versus Talevsky. Search Ferrari to the United States Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit. Decided on June 8th, 2023. After Georgie Talevsky's move to a nursing home in 2016 proved problematic, Talevsky, through his wife Ivanka, brought an action under 42 U.S.C. Section 1983 against a county-owned nursing home and its agents, collectively HHC, claiming that HHC's treatment of Talevsky violated rights guaranteed to him under the Federal Nursing Home Reform Act, the FNHRA. The district court granted HHC's subsequent motion to dismiss Talevsky's complaint, reasoning that no plaintiff can enforce provisions of the FNHRA via Section 1983. The Seventh Circuit reversed, concluding that the rights referred, referred in two FNHRA provisions invoked to, by Talevsky, the right to be free from unnecessary chemical restraints, see Section 1396RC1A2, and rights to be discharged or transferred only when certain preconditions are met, See Section 1396RC, unambiguously confer individually enforceable rights on nursing home residents, making those rights presumably enforceable via Section 1983. The Seventh Circuit further found nothing in the FNHRA to indicate congressional intent to foreclose Section 1983 enforcement. Held. The FNHRA provisions at issue unambiguously create Section 1983 enforceable rights, and the court discerns no incompatibility between private enforcement under Section 1983 and the remedial scheme that Congress devised. A. Section 1983 has, since the 1870s, provided an express cause of action to any person deprived by someone acting under color of law, of any rights secured by the Constitution and laws. The court has long refused to read Section 1983's unmodified term laws to mean only some of the laws, Maine versus Thibetat. Looking to history, HHC attempts to sound out about Section 1983's textually unqualified sweep and proffers a spending clause-based argument to narrow 1983's meaning but a fuller picture of the relevant history lends HHC no aid. The court is unpersuaded by HHC's argument that because Congress seems to have enacted the FNHRA pursuant to the spending clause, Tlevsky cannot invoke Section 1983 to vindicate rights recognized by the FNHRA. HHC starts with the court's observation that federal legislation premised on the spending clause power is much in the nature of a contract. Penhurst State School and Hospital versus Halderman. From there, HHC argues that spending clause statutes may not be enforced via Section 1983 because contracts were not generally enforceable by third-party beneficiaries at when 1983 was enacted in the 1870s. The court rejects HHC's argument. First, while the court has reasoned that Congress's failure to displace firmly rooted common law principles generally indicates that it incorporated those established principles into Section 1983, see Wyatt v. Cole, HHC's key common law plank here, that third-party beneficiaries could not sue to enforce contractual obligations during the relevant time, is at a minimum contestable. Something more than ambiguous 
historical evidence is required to flatly overrule a number of major decisions of this court. See Gamble versus the United States. Second, because there is no doubt that the cause of action created by Section 1983 is was always regarded as a tort claim. Monterey versus Damante Dunes at Monterey. HHC's focus on 1870s law governing third-party beneficiary suits and contract is perplexing, and HHC offers no reason those principles should be read to displace the plain scope of laws in Section 1983. B. Under the court's precedent, the FNHRA provisions at issue here unambiguously confer individual federal rights enforceable under Section 1983, and the court discerns no intent by Congress and FNHRA to preclude private enforcement of these rights under Section 1983. 1. Although federal statutes have the potential to create Section 1983 enforceable rights, they do so under this court's precedence only when the statute unambiguously confers those rights. The court has recognized that the typical remedy for noncompliance with the federal statute enacted pursuant to the spending clause is not a private cause of action for noncompliance, but rather termination of funds to the state. See Gonzaga University v. Doe. The parties here thus dispute whether this is the atypical case. That is, whether the unnecessary restraint and pre-discharge notice provisions of the FNHRA unambiguously confer individual rights, making these rights presumptively enforceable under Section 1983. Gonzaga sets forth the court's established method for ascertaining unambiguous conferral. Courts must employ traditional tools of statutory construction to assess whether Congress has unambiguously conferred individual rights upon a class of beneficiaries to which the plaintiff belongs. Notably, it must be determined that Congress intended to create a federal right for the identified class, not merely that the plaintiffs fall within the general zone of interest that the statute is intended to protect. The test for unambiguous conferral is satisfied where the provision in question is phrased in terms of the persons benefited and contains rights-creating individual-centric language with an unmistakable focus on the benefited class. If a statutory provision surmounts this significant hurdle, it secures individual rights that are deemed presumptively enforceable under Section 1983. The unnecessary restraint and pre-discharge notice provisions in FNHRA that Tlebsky's complaint invokes meet this test. The FNHRA lays out a litany of statutory requirements relating to residents' rights, Section 1396RC. The unnecessary restraint provision requires nursing facilities to protect and promote residents' right to be free from any physical or chemical restraints not required to treat the residents' medical symptoms, Section 1396RC1A2. The pre- Discharge notice provision imposes preconditions that a nursing facility must meet to transfer or discharge a resident. Both provisions reside in Section 1396RC, which expressly concerns the requirements relating to residents' rights. This framework is indicative of an individual rights creating focus. See again, Gonzaga. That these two provisions also establish who must comply with these statutory rights, namely the Medicaid participant nursing homes, 
does not dispel the statute's focus on the nursing home residents, i.e. the benefited class. The provisions use clear rights-creating language, speak in, in terms of the persons benefited, and have an unmistakable focus on the benefited class. Thus, they satisfy Gonzaga's stringent standard and the rights they recognize are presumptively enforceable under Section 1983. Two, even if a statutory provision unambiguously secures rights, a defendant may defeat the presumption by demonstrating that Congress did not intend that Section 1983 be available to enforce those rights. Rancho Pios Verdes versus Abrams. Evidence of such intent may be found expressly in the statute creating the right or implicitly by creating a comprehensive enforcement scheme that is incompatible with individual enforcement under Section 1983. Here, the court finds evidence of neither. The FNHRA establishes a detailed administrative scheme for inspections of nursing facilities and authorizes governments to sanction and correct noncompliant facilities, but the statute lacks any indication of congressional intent to preclude Section 1983 enforcement, such as an expressed private judicial right of action or any other provision that might signify that intent. HHC focuses on comprehensiveness of FNHRA's enforcement mechanisms, but implicitly pre- implicit preclusion is shown only by a comprehensive enforcement scheme that is incompatible with individual enforcement under Section 1983. See Fitzgerald v. Barnstaple School. The court's prior cases finding implicit preclusion involve statutes where private enforcement under Section 1983 would have thwarted Congress's scheme by circumventing the statute's pre-suit procedures or by giving plaintiffs access to tangible benefits otherwise unavailable under the statutes construed. HHC has identified no equivalent sign of incompatibility in the FNHRA, which lacks a private judicial right of action, a private federal administrative remedy, or any careful congressional tailoring that Section 1983 actions would distort. Finally, the court rejects any speculation that because Congress knew most nursing homes are private entities not subject to suit under Section 1983, the FNHRA's remedial scheme necessarily reflects Congress's judgment that these administrative enforcement mechanisms appropriately protect the rights the statute confers. The focus in the implicit preclusion inquiry remains whether something in the FNHRA has foreclosed Section 1983's general availability as a remedy for the vindication of rights secured by federal statutes. The court sees no such sign, much less a license for the court to construct and impute to Congress an intent that the FNHRA does not embody. Justice Jackson delivered the opinion in the court, in which Robert Sotomayor, Kagan, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Barrett joined. Gorsuch filed a concurring opinion. Barrett filed a concurring opinion in which Roberts joined. Thomas filed a dissenting opinion in which, uh, and Justice Alito also filed his own dissenting opinion in which Thomas joined. Thanks for listening, and be sure to uh, hit subscribe and uh, sign up for notifications when new episodes come out. Thanks for listening.